0: The Northeast Newscast is brought to you by the Northeast News, the voice of historic Northeast Kansas City since 1932. Interested in helping promote your business while also keeping the voice of the Northeast alive? Advertise with the Northeast News today by calling 816-241-0765 or by emailing northeastnews at socket.net. Thank you for listening, thank you for reading, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. This is your host, Paul Thompson. This week, I'll be joined by John Fierro, President and CEO of the Maddie Road Center, and Mary Sear, the Director of Northeast Alliance Together, or NEAT. We'll talk about the origins of the Northeast Violence Reduction Initiative, how the two Northeast leaders keep their pulse on the issues that are important to the neighborhood, what are some of the projects or city issues that the organization NEAT has on their plate moving forward, what new or recurring programming the pair is excited about this summer and fall? And finally, the pair discussed the Maddie Road Center's Thursday Evening Clinic, which is coming up on its one-year anniversary. Without further ado, my conversation with John Fierro and Mary Sear. Okay, sitting here right now with John Fierro, President and CEO of Maddie Road Center, and Mary Sear, she's the Director of NEAT Northeast Alliance Together. Thank you both for being here today. How you Thank doing? You for having us. Great. Uh, let's just jump right into it. The first thing I had written down was a question about the Northeast Violence Reduction Initiative. Mary, I think this will be for you. How did this project get going?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I got involved in this uh, after their second meeting. I was uh, got a phone call from Amanda Wilson out of Greater Kansas City Lisk, who was at the first meeting, and when she f- heard what was going on, she said meat needs to be at the table, and I got invited to the second meeting. Basically, the first two meetings were big um, data dumps. What they had there were people from the city of Kansas City, Missouri, and also the Kansas City Public school system and they had data about crime and and the well, it was the the crime statistic people from the k c p d um and they were looking at crime and youth and statistics on on that, trying to target areas where there was um, a lot of violence, but also where there were youth involved because that's one of the things that they have done in the past is go after the potential criminals and try to divert them away from that life and get them earlier on rather than focus on, you know, people in their 30s and 40s that are Mm -hmm. committing crimes. So the first couple meetings were just basically putting data up on the wall and looking at hot spots around the Northeast and um, and then um, after that, the, the neighborhoods uh, found heard about what was going on and expressed interest and concern that they weren't involved. So they took kind of a long break, and we are having a meeting uh, tomorrow night um, at the at the Northeast Middle Middle School. We're having a, it's a and we've invited the whole my my list of neighborhood leadership has been invited to that. So we'll see. How that turns out and what what's happening is we're doing a logic model which is kind of a path of intentions and then outcomes mm-hmm. so we can figure out what you know where we started where we want to go and how we're going to get there and what the outcomes are going to be and we've done a, there was one meeting where they started on that the neighborhood was not involved just a few of the neighborhoods were there but hopefully we're gonna well I know uh, I've seen the agenda tomorrow night we're going to pick that up And really put some effort into it but basically they've done this before down in Ruskin and they ended up with a service center in the basement of a school or a church I can't remember which but it's a place for youth to come after school they've they had funding to hire a person to run the center and um, they really provide find out what the kids need in terms of being staying on track and staying in school and staying out of trouble and they provide all sorts of services like mental health and helping with homework and uh, helping making sure that they're you know maybe college bound if that's what they want to do. So I, it's, I expect the outcome here is going to be something similar to that where it's going to really protect are vulnerable youth from from going in the wrong direction.
0: Right. And I think I'm somewhat familiar with that program. There was sort of a, a as I understood it, there was a, maybe a, a mentorship element as well. Um, I
1: think so. Something
0: similar to that and, and organ- activities that were put together uh, in conjunction with that, if I recall. So um, Right. Sounds like something that is seeking to engage uh, community mm-hmm. and, and specifically the youth. Right. Excellent. Um, so, do you have an idea of of why they're looking at the northeast? Was, was there an explanation given for for what drove them to kind of look at this area?
1: It's it's the crime statistics, the violent crime that we have up here. It's a hot spot. It's one of the higher unfortunately, I hate to say this especially on, you know, a podcast, but it we we do have uh, quite a bit of violent crime up there and it's caught the attention of Organizations like combat, KCPD already knows about it. The school district certainly knows about it. So that's why uh, they were they selected the Northeast as the next um, area to focus on. And I would
2: just add to that, that that in addition to the data, just the mere presence of an organization like Maddie Road Center who receives combat dollars, part of our uh, funding requires us to share information, to issue reports to be a part of required meetings with other members of uh, combat-funded organizations and with combat staff. So in that interchange, we are regularly updating them about the situations that we face here in the Northeast community from uh, not a lot of uh, after-school options for our kids, um, gang uh, incidents that occur, the murder rate that occurs. So I think in addition, again, to the the statistics that everybody is aware of, uh, you know, through the public media we serve as an advocate just by the fact that we are a combat funded organization we have been a combat funded organization probably for over 15 years if not uh, longer Mm -hmm. and we receive dollars to one provide individuals with substance abuse treatment and then the other um, grant that we receive from them is to focus on prevention Mm -hmm. and with our prevention dollars we are working to provide uh, after-school and out-of-school activities for neighborhood youth, and then even include some of our school-based uh, work over at Northeast Middle. And what COMBAT has tried to do holistically is to identify certain areas within our county that require more uh, service. So, for example, the cleanup that you alluded to was one particular example. And what they do is they um, identify areas that need special support they then appeal to all the funded organizations like Maddie Rhodes to say, Well, we'd like to have you come and volunteer to help out in this particular area. And then right. they have their staff. So, this is something that they regularly do throughout Jackson County area. But, you know, um, I think our challenge as an organization trying to meet the needs of Northeast is that the funding doesn't really meet the, the demand. Right. Uh, if you think of the history of historic Northeast, At one time, we had an organization called Old Northeast. They were the ones focused on the mobile crime patrol. They were the ones focusing their um, prevention and intervention efforts along the avenue. And then when they ceased to exist, combat pretty much no longer funded organizations until Matty Rhodes moved over. But when you think of what we were already receiving and what Old Northeast was receiving, the total amount that we receive today is a lot less. So we, Jackson County, did not even take into consideration that, okay, you had one organization go away, you had another come in, at least
0: provide the level of funding to meet the needs of of the the population. So that kind of funding supply sort of went away with that organization and it hasn't fully been, I guess, been back up. Correct. And I I think there's a misnomer
2: that, you know, and we have that... um, uh, I guess that we're, we're unique in that Maddie Road Center has a strong presence in the West Side right. and also has a presence in the historic North and it's amazing that uh, when you speak to certain uh, government officials um, and civic leaders there's a misnomer that there are more s- children and greater need in terms of individuals living in poverty over in the west side than in the historic Northeast. And when you begin to explain to them that no, the historic Northeast has a general population of over 30,000 mm-hmm. and the poverty level is probably about 35%. And then when you talk about at least one third of that population is under the age of 18, people are like, wow, I didn't know that. So what we've been trying to do throughout our programs and just, you know, in my role in particular is educate folks as to what the population size is and what are the social and economic needs that we exist. And then as an agency, whether that's either through a youth program, through a health and wellness program, or through me, Mm -hmm. are trying to then facilitate leveraging resources to have a greater positive impact on this community.
0: Right. But you can't leverage the resources unless you have the resources in the first place. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. Mary, I wanted to ask you now, uh, as director of NEAT, you're charged with keeping the pulse of the community in a lot of ways. How do you go about staying apprised of important neighborhood issues?
1: We have free meetings that we conduct regularly. I also read the Northeast News. There we go. Nice plug. (laughs) So I try to, you know, stay abreast. Every couple days I get on the website and look at that. Um, but we have a monthly neighborhoods northeast neighborhoods leadership meeting mm-hmm. where the the leadership is invited of the neighborhood associations to come in and we talk about issues
0: um, this is the presidents essentially The
1: presidents and board members it's more than six people okay um, and we get a varied turnout sometimes we get a lot of people sometimes we don't but we usually have a pretty good discussion about about what's going on in the, in the neighborhood and I walk away with things to work on to advocate for. I, then I go, you know, talk to the city manager or one of the city council people about getting certain things. We did invest Northeast. That mm-hmm. report was first, and then it was followed up by the overlay study. And then we thought, okay, well, that dealt with the private side of the right of way. Let's do with the public side of the right of way. Mm-hmm. So I went down and I talked to the city council and I talked to uh, the city planning department and pitched that idea and that ended up becoming it got morphed into a pedestrian safety that 's how they they sold it to mark so that was another thing that NEET was involved in um, so i I try to reach out by phone and by email to the neighborhood leadership I go to all the meetings and um, just try to stay abreast by through relationship building and you know the communication that comes out of that uh, try to stay abreast of of what's going on in
0: the, in the neighborhood, and it does seem like there is a, a pretty robust interaction on email chains and things like that. If something does come up, it, it kind of spreads organically through, right. it, Especially you know through email, through social media. Mm-hmm. If you can follow that mm-hmm. stuff, I mean, it sometimes it's almost too much to take in. There, there's so much happening, so I know it's hard to hard right. to to stay focused on on one issue when there's always ten things sprouting up. But, right, and uh, then
1: we have the we have the Thursday morning meeting that you come to sometimes sure. the general meeting, and that's more for citywide people, but we also get a lot of good information and feedback at that level. And then we have our steering committee. That only meets quarterly, and that is, um, you know, people that are on the steering committee uh, come to that, but anyone's welcome to ask for the meeting minutes.
2: Well, and I would just add to that that another um, source of information for Mary as the meet director to understand what's going on in the community. Is since she is a part of the Maddie Road Center uh, organization, mm-hmm. she participates in our regular staff meetings and is housed with all of our program staff. So she has access on a daily basis to our youth development director, our soccer director, our uh, vice president of family services, and all of our programs. So she daily can meet with them to ask, "What are you hearing in the neighborhood?" or be privy to what we're seeing or what they're seeing as trends in the community. Uh, good example, you know, once we had the presidential election last November, one of the biggest uh, issues, which still continues to be an issue in this neighborhood and, and in other areas where there's a large immigrant population, is fear and anxiety related to our new president who wants mm-hmm. to build a wall along the southern border. And this is something that, that Mary was able to then, along with a, a collaborative effort of Manny Road Center staff and other partners, to then respond to meet those needs. And, and in March, we held an immigration forum where we had about over 150 individuals come to the building to receive information from local immigration attorneys about what are their rights. So, I think that's, that's another level of information that she receives to understand what are the what, what are the needs of the Northeast neighborhood and what's the community pulse. Right.
1: There's another thing I want to add to that too. That's a, a little bit about the part of the history of Neat and Maddie Rhodes' uh, role in that. Um, while Neat was being formed, it was you know completely volunteered. It sort of evolved out of lists coming in and trying to leverage what was going on here. They saw a lot of potential, and you know pretty much from the get go, Maddie Rhodes emerged as the provider of infrastructure for um, all of the, the things that NEAT was accomplishing back then and has really invested a lot in 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 NEAT. And as NEAT now is uh, seeking to form its own 501c3, when we talk about it, you know, I, I just can't imagine not having the connection to John and David Stadler and the rest of the staff. You know, I certainly don't want to isolate myself in a little office all by myself. I really see us as continuing to have a relationship. Um, Maddie Rhodes has been extremely generous and want to continue that. John's been a great mentor in terms of you know how to build relationships and maintain those relationships and leverage volunteers into action. Uh, and I want to continue I want to continue with that. So Maddie Rhodes has really been just beyond information. They've been a real piece of our infrastructure. In terms of what we can accomplish, and,
2: and Paul, I would just add one last point. Uh, I've been, you know, uh, affiliated with Northeast through my role primarily at Many Roads for the eleven years that we have had a, a physical presence here, but obviously have been involved in uh, community-wide efforts. And the challenge with any new startup organization is infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So for those individuals listening who understand and know the history of Historic Northeast, there have been other efforts tried with regards to collaboration, uh, building amongst the neighborhood associations and all the community stakeholders. Yet, an initiative called HELP, um, Health, Education, Labor and Public Safety. And, and one of the biggest challenges, you had an individual Uh, who many individuals knew, Michael Seward, who was awesome. Mm -hmm. This gentleman was everywhere in the city with the flag raising attention to the issues of Northeast. The challenge was, it was just him. Mm -hmm. And I remember sharing this with civic leaders. It's unfair to put the responsibilities of fundraiser, evaluator, neighborhood advocate, neighborhood organizer, on one individual. Right. What 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 we have invested here with Meet is to provide all of that back office and infrastructure support to Mary so that Mary then can go out and do the things that are important which is developing and building the relationships with neighborhood associations, having the conversations with civic leaders and then doing some long-term planning. So it's really um, a partnership that we see, it's part of our commitment to, com- to meeting the needs of the community to give back. And at the same time, by focusing in on some of those broader issues such as economic development and public safety, our hope is it begins to alleviate the demand for counseling services and other services that we have to offer that then have impact our ability uh, with regards to financial sustainability.
0: Alright, interesting. Now, what's the, ben- the benefit for the community in terms of, and maybe you can describe this for, for lay individuals and myself while we're here, um, to, com- to becoming a 501c3?
1: Well, a lot of that, the 501c3 is one of our, which we haven't talked about yet, one of our, um, our uh, building blocks in our implementation plan is neighborhood redevelopment and stabilization which translates into us actually going in and doing some uh, property redevelopment and which would mean that we'd be acquiring and managing uh, rental properties or acquiring properties and uh, selling them to moderate and low to moderate income residents. So once we get that real estate piece in there there's a certain element of risk involved and we would uh, want to separate from Maddie Roads because of that that risk element to protect right. Maddie Roads from that exposure plus you know need you know we want to make sure that we are um, really representative of the neighborhoods and by do, by by becoming more independent even though we are interdependent with Maddie Roads which we want to maintain that but to have our own identity uh, so we can go out and raise our own money in, with the use of Maddie Rhodes' as grant writer. I hope, <laughs> um, with that we, you know, we can continue on down that road. It's just us becoming a more uh, uh, functioning entity. Right now we are a non-entity and we're completely dependent on on Maddie Rhodes.
2: I, I think the other thing I would add to that is that, um, you know, needs, purpose is focused on. Um, economic development, which has a lot of, um, you know, connectors. Maddie Rhodes' mission is focused on serving vulnerable populations and doing that in a way that impacts um, uh, their um, their health, their behavioral health, um, preparing kids for school, etc. My point in saying that is while Matty Rhodes has been able to justify why we're involved as a founding member would need, our ability to leverage money that is specific to more brick and mortar is challenging because Maddie Rhodes' history has been more of a social service provider. Right. So now having a 501c3 organization whose sole focus is more about the brick and mortar is gonna position that organization on behalf of Northeast to leverage dollars that, let's say, Matty Rhodes, it would be a little bit more challenging. Not that we don't have the ability to write the proposals, right. but again, it's like we're not viewed as um, a um, facilitator of economic development. We're not viewed as a crime fighter,
0: but need. Oh well, that's what they were established to do. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah. that's well said. Thank you. Uh, well, I wanted to do a shift again here, Mary, and ask you about some projects or city issues that you've got your eye on moving forward here. Where's the next battleground, so to speak, for neighborhood leaders in the historic Northeast?
1: Well, I think um, one thing that we just started uh, this week is the issue about the new police chief. Sure. And um, I think you've been copied on the emails. We got a we got a, a very interesting email from LISC had some talking points they had I think they had discussed this actually at the national level wow. and um, we got an email from our program officer over at LISC uh, with four talking points mm-hmm. about uh, things that they thought were important that the new chief embodies some concepts or characteristics so what I did is I made an email to the Northeast Neighborhoods leadership and ask for feedback, and I've gotten, it's been slow, but we've gotten a few comments back, and um, probably next week I'll just get on the phone and, and call people and um, get some get some input. And then what I usually do is kind of gauge where we're at, and we don't, it's not, you know, we don't reach 100% agreement. There's no, we are so diverse, that'll oh, yeah. never happen. But kind of where the, the majority of people are headed and I will craft a letter of concern or a letter of of you know here's here's just some something you need to know about your Northeast constituents about this selection process that we feel is important. Right. And uh, LISC asked us asked us to do that, so we will do that. Um, so that's something that's out there. Um, we are neat is is also uh, implementing a rental property redevelopment program. That we've been keeping the neighborhoods abreast of, and that's getting, you know, each week we get, we get a little bit deeper into it and closer into it. So that's something um, that we want to we want to keep moving ahead forward. But that's basically what I do. Is you know, just looking back, um, we had an issue with uh, this uh, development at Prospect and Independence that people. Found out about, saw some pictures of the, the renderings.
0: Right, and if people don't know, just for a little background, that's the site right, right next to Snyder's. It was the site of the uh, October 2015 fire that tragically took the lives of John Mesh and Larry Legio.
1: Right, the two firemen that were that were killed in that unfortunate fire. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been proposed there um, really kind of underwhelmed us, um, so we invited the developer to come in. Um, And this, you know, this kind of work takes time. I Mm -hmm. had to set up the meeting with the developer, give enough notice for the neighborhoods, get everybody together in the room. We had a very contentious meeting with the developer. Um, Lots of emotions running high. I followed that up with some more emails and phone calls and developed a position that I checked out. Then again with the neighborhood, I went to the city plan commission who opposed the project Mm -hmm. uh, vehemently, and um, unfortunately they unanimously Mm -hmm. (laughs) approved the project in spite of the fact that everyone there testifying was against it, and they were neighborhood people. I was not the only one there. Right. And I was there um, for that, too. Yeah, you were there there for that. That was really a, a great disappointment. The building just it's not what what the neighborhoods have for a vision when we did the overlay district or, mm-hmm. or or when we talk about what we want to see on Independence Avenue.
0: Well, that's kind of led you I think to even and and correct me if I'm uh, misspeaking here, but to maybe even look into altering the overlay and and, and yes. seeing what you can do to, yeah. to to make those standards a little more stringent on on in terms of what the buildings look like.
1: Well, hindsight is always 2020 and mm-hmm. when we saw that project, when I first saw it, I thought it meets the overlay district. Right. I mean, there's nothing except for the fact that it's unattractive and doesn't economically leverage the the location. There's really nothing else we can say about it. It's it's legal to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I immediately thought we really kind of dropped the ball. We didn't think enough uh, strategically about what we really wanted, what our vision really was, and what we should have done on that, on that zoning overlay is on those major intersections at least if not through the whole Independence Avenue is have minimum heights so we could have you know at intersections minimum of 2 to 3 stories of height so you would get the what we which is what we wanted which was the retail on the ground floor and then one or two stories of of residential mixed you know mixed income hopefully residential above Mm -hmm. Um, so there is a path to go back I've talked to city planning and development I have yet to talk to the city council about it but um, we have to raise a little bit of money which is why I want to talk to city council um, to go back and amend that zoning overlay with those with those requirements so we don't get another you know like it like for instance at Benton and Independence which is another prime that's opportunity for redevelopment. Right. I would hate to see somebody else come in and do just a little strip mall on it's the it's just
0: undergone significant renovations over there, so I can understand. Uh, and right. to be fair, it you know, I don't think it was a total loss with that project over uh, the the prospect and independence. I mean, they did what they ended up putting before... City Planning Commission, there were significant changes from what they initially introduced, which was even more bare bones than, than what they ended up getting approved. So I know it may not feel like a, a huge victory, but there, there were some alterations that were made and- No, I, mean, I
1: understand that. And yeah. we have to look, even in that looking back even further, what was there was a predatory lending business. Right, right. So that. And luckily, we, you know, the city did the right thing and not letting them rebuild, you know, forcing them to demolish the building, and then they're prohibited from rebuilding that use on that site. So we are moving in the right direction, and you know, it's, it's But but we just, you know, we want so much more than than that. There's the vision here of the neighborhoods, the people that live here is so strong and so beautiful. That it's frustrating when we can't convince the people that are actually coming from out of town and to invest, um, you know,
0: to that it's worth this additional that. investment, right,
1: right? Right,
0: right, right. Well, excellent. You know, that's a, a good answer. I appreciate it. Um, so, I guess we're we're getting pretty far into this now. So, I think maybe we should focus on some of the programs that are happening around Maddie Road Center. Let's start by talking about programs that you're excited about that are going on right now this summer. Well,
2: I think, uh, you know, we're excited that um, we're serving more youth. Uh, This summer we provided the after-school programming for the kids attending summer school at Gladstone. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're working with a little over 100 kids uh, each day for the last five weeks. I think, in fact, this may be the last week of the summer program. Uh, Also, we have probably about 40 kids running around here, during the summertime playing soccer in our basement, um, uh, making arts and crafts upstairs. And then um, for the second straight year the city selected us, uh, the Parks and Recreation Department selected us as a Club KC site. So um, on Friday and Saturday evenings neighborhood kids can come over, they can play basketball, they can listen to music, they can socialize, it's all free. And then also, as a part of that, we have um, the Night Kicks program, which is a summer soccer program at Bud Park. Mm-hmm. So, again, free activities that the Parks and Recreation uh, are supporting for us to meet the needs of Northeast youth.
0: How important is it for these events or these programs to be free for, for the youth in the Northeast? Oh, uh,
2: extremely important. You know, I, you know, uh, a lot of our families in the neighborhood are challenged with uh, making rent payments, mortgage payments, paying utilities, uh, you know, trying to pay uh, for groceries, utilities, and uh, income levels vary. And when you then add to that, well, okay, we have an activity for your child, but you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes then the kids, you know, obviously are the ones impacted because, you know, mom dad says, well, you know, if it's, do I pay the utility bill or do I send you to a summer camp program? You know, it's the utility bill. It's almost a non-starter. It's a non-starter, and so for us, we uh, we see that that's a big uh, benefit that we're bringing to the community by our ability to leverage these resources and offer programs and services for free. We are helping the, the families. We're helping the community. So we just want people to to be aware that these are free programs, and we want kids.
0: Are there any new programs coming this fall that you want the public to be aware of?
2: Yes. Um, You know, Maddie Road Center has been very involved with the uh, Choice Initiative over in Cell Gateway, and one of the partners uh, within that initiative is United Way. And they approached us um, knowing uh, about the success and benefits of our West Side After School Visual Arts program and said, we want something like this over in CHOICE. So this fall, we will be establishing an after-school visual arts program that will be held out of the Northeast Community Center. So I'm very excited to see that we are starting to spread our wings, so to speak, here in Northeast to move further west and be able to work with you know children in that area. So that's one of the new programs that we have going on. And then also uh, our involvement with CHOICE is that we will be hiring a community organizer uh, who will be housed here at Maddie Roads working over in the Choice neighborhood. And then in addition, as that individual works with families in, uh, in that area, we will be making available counseling and case management services.
0: Right, and I think the idea is, uh, you know, to open up that Paseo Gateway area, connect the historic Northeast with downtown Kansas City, for easier transportation access, but also economic development to help low-income family share the benefits of, of the development along that corridor. So it's, it's very important work, and um, it's something that's going to be ongoing right. here for several years. And correct. There's, <clears throat> I mean, Pendleton Flats already up and built, and, and more coming soon. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Can I just add one other activity? Sure. We've got uh, Neat has partnered with the Indian Mound Neighborhood Association, Life Connection Church maddie road center soccer for success and we did six events last year this year we're doing three events in bud park we've already had our june event and the july event is on the 22nd of july it's going to be a pool party on saturday july 22nd from one to three and the parks department is waiving the fee to get into the pool so the pool will be free and we'll be serving hot dogs and then we're going to have we did this last year and it was so much fun a slippery slide day mm-hmm. um, at Bud Park on the 26th.
0: Yeah, I went out there for and, that. That was cool.
1: With hot dogs and, um, and and all of that. And it's absolutely free. You just show up. It's between 1 and 3 on July 22nd and 1 and 3 on August 26th.
0: And we'll have that information in the Northeast News Almanac as well.
1: So. Okay, great. Um,
0: well, last question here, and then I'll let you all go. Sure. I promise I'm not going to hold you hostage any longer. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about the evening clinic, the Thursday night clinic. Yes. That, that's been going on. It seems like it's been, we're coming up on a year almost. Yeah, nearly. Not we,
2: we have 10 months um, uh, under our belt. Um, you're referring to the clinic that was opened up. It's a Thursday night walk-in clinic that's open from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We did that. Um, just, you know, an example of anything that we do, it's always related to a community need. We were hearing from individuals that... Um, it was very hard for them to take off work during the day to go to one of the federally qualified health centers or to even, let's say, um, a smaller uh, private practice. Some were saying, well, I, I'm afraid if I take off from work, I'll be fired or I don't have access to transportation. Mm-hmm. And then when they talked about accessing these services in the evenings, well, there's very few options in terms of you know medical care um, the only options were pretty much like a Walgreens uh, where they could go into uh, to their clinic. And typically, you know, you're required to either have insurance, and if you don't, then the copay is probably, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere over $75 is mm-hmm. from what I've heard. And so we saw that, you know, you had people who were not receiving health care because of their just circumstances in, in, in everyday life. And so, the other part of the, the community information that, that, you know, propelled us to, to take action, we had a uh, one of the local hospitals in town tell us that in the year 2015, they had about 2,000 individuals who came through their emergency room uh, that lived in the 64123 zip code and said, most of these folks did not require emergency room care. Again, it was related to transportation. Uh, insurance, etc. This was just kind of the last, you know, uh, resort. The pain was just too much that that's where they went. Mm -hmm. And obviously then you get into the situation where you have families then get into a financial hardship because you have these hospitals that, well, you need to pay this bill. And again, you know, uh, that may deter them from seeking health care going forward. So we opened up the clinic. Um, It is open every Thursday night. In the first 10 months, we've seen 92 individuals Uh, We uh, know that 98% of them are uninsured, and of that 98%, 96% are of Hispanic descent. And we have charged um, participants a $30 copay, and all the three have paid. Mm -hmm. And so some of the issues that that have been presented to uh, our nurses have included ear infections, uh, lower back pain, uh, urinary tract infections, etc. We're pleased to to share with the community that about two months ago, uh, one of our volunteers, Dr. Timothy Little, who had been serving as the uh, supervising physician for the two nurses, has agreed and has started to see patients. Wow. So he actually comes once a month. So you have a medical doctor who now is here in addition to the nurses to see uh, those individuals. And I would just say that... Again, our focus is to serve those individuals who don't have either health care or don't have access to it, and this is open to anyone, regardless of what language they speak, what ethnicity they uh, they have or are, sorry. Uh, this is available to the community.
0: Excellent. Cool. No, that sounds awesome. Now, are there any further plans to expand that program moving forward or what's the goal? uh, You know,
2: uh, the goal is to grow as the community need, um, you know, expands. Um, So right now, um, quite honestly, we are supporting this program with unrestricted dollars. So we have no grant that I can point to to say, oh, well, we're getting X amount of dollars from this foundation or from this government entity that supports this. We have... Tried to be as creative as possible to support uh, the clinic and, uh, and have been fortunate that we've been able to have the financial means to do that. But uh, I would say that our goal is to try to leverage other dollars to offer the clinic more than once a week and then even um, have uh, lab resources available, which we don't have at this time. And I do want to point out that um, KCU was very helpful in donating some supplies to the clinic. Uh, St. Luke's has been a good partner in uh, donating uh, some of the equipment and even helping us with the technical assistance in opening a clinic. And Dr. Timothy Little is um, on the staff at St. Luke's. So I do want to commend them for, for all of their efforts and uh, obviously the nurses as well. And then I know Northeast News has been a good uh, promoter of the clinic as well.
0: Well, you can't do any of this stuff without partnerships, so um, very cool. Appreciate your time. John, Mary, thank you for being on the podcast today. Great. And that is all for this week's edition of the podcast. Thank you once again to John Fierro and Mary Sear for joining me today, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, signing out.